butterfly that God sent to my four-year-old self. That little yellow-brown skipper butterfly was, was not a spectacular variety. However, it let me go face to face, quite close, and see that it was beautiful to sense that we were both alive and sharing that moment. I understood, almost heard, that God cared for both this beautiful creature and me. Now, even though I no longer believe in that God, the gift of that moment, the feeling, the connection, has anchored me and still feels sacred. Today, I want to tell you how that butterfly has fluttered through my life to this time and place, sharing how we might find trust in a time that seems so untrustworthy. I won't go into the litany of troubles that have come from institutions and people that have broken trust with us. Given the state of the world, where can we build trust Can we find people, institutions, and structures that we can build trust in? I think I have found some places to put my trust. The first is people. People are the bedrock upon which we will have to build our trust in the future. People grounded in what supports us all. Rebecca Solnit reminds us in her book, A Paradise Built in Hell, that people do come through for each other. She says, disaster doesn't sort us out by preferences. It drags us into emergencies that require that we act altruistically, bravely, and with initiative in order to survive or to save the neighbors. No matter how we vote, or what we do for a living, close quote. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake inspired the young Dorothy Day, co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, to wonder why we don't live every day with the level of care for each other that she saw on the docks of San Francisco Bay. She let that insight inspire her life, The Catholic worker movement still exists today, caring for and elevating poor people. Solnit and Day's examples, and many more, some of which we're seeing in Hawaii right now, are the proof that altruism is real. People act to take care of each other. However, they take care of the people that they are connected to. Usually, that means physical proximity. But that doesn't necess- but that's not necessarily so. People hear about disasters and travel across the country, even across the world, to help. People hear about humanitarian need and contribute resources. Disasters are the beacons that wake us up and connect us. I would say that those connections coupled with competent action, forge bonds of trust. These connections are the paradise built in hell 
that Rebecca Solnit writes about. Dorothy Day asks for even more. She asks us to build connection and bonds of trust that permeate every moment of our lives, every place there is need for common respect and care. The Catholic worker movement is unrelentingly critical of the systematic relegation of poor of the poor to impoverishment. Dorothy Day said, God meant things to be much easier than we have made them. She and the workers consciously focus on people in need. The movement is not paternal. It works to move people out of poverty, but recognizes that things have been made unreasonably hard for many. She chose to remain connected. In fact, she cast her lot with those who were being ignored. The reward was a rich life emulating the life of the one that she trusted, Jesus. She and the Catholic workers became trustworthy. This kind of trust is very different than the kind we commonly see around us today. It seems problematic that we continue to trust so many systems and institutions that sit at the core of problems we so urgently need to solve. I'm not advocating that we turn our backs on all aspects of modernity. However, it would seem that our trust should be shaken, perhaps even to the core in the systems that brought us slavery, colonial exploitation, and alienation from so many of the living systems that have supported us for millennia. Our reading reminds us, we live as if we are an island, as if we are the sole inhabitant, as if the evolution of life ended in us and bestowed on us and our kind domination of all the miracle life that dwells in and around us. Perhaps the solution is to become trustworthy ourselves. Dominators cannot be trusted. We could recreate a world whose first allegiance is to life and systems that support life. I'm not sure that humans have ever done this perfectly, but there are ways to do it better than we do now. We farm for capital yield, not calories. We harvest money by making deals in computers in thousands of a second and move trillions of dollars at a keystroke. To adopt this as reality is to make our separation from life a permanent divorce. Here, the analogy breaks down because the reality is that we are connected intimately with life and this dear earth that harbors us all. There is another way, a world where both humble butterflies and humble humans can coexist. Albert Einstein understood this connection. He presented us with a task that all human beings need to participate in, to free ourselves from the delusion that humans are at the center of all that is. We are only a part, but capable of acting in the interests of the whole if we will only wake up. Here's what Einstein said. 
And please forgive the gendered language. A human being is part of a whole called by us universe. Limited in time and space, he experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in beauty. Close quote. I used to think that being, that the gift of being a human was our capacity to build, to harness titanic energies and claim the stars. But I've changed my mind, even if Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk have not. I attended a workshop led by Reverend Dr. Rebecca Parker, then president of our Star King School for the Ministry. She came to Santa Barbara to teach us the basics of theology. I found out that theology is useful regardless of your beliefs about God. She asked a question that is at the core of theology. What do I affirm? What would I hold to be true regardless of the circumstances of my life? Hmm. The answer came surprisingly easy. We are all connected. This felt like a grown-up version of my childhood encounter with a butterfly. Affirming that we are all connected felt powerfully true in its simplicity. The second gift of the workshop was another question. Given this affirmation, what is imperative? What must I do? My imperative is to define we as broadly as possible, and entertain the richest possible connections. Though I did not participate in creating our mission statement, it resonates deeply with what I affirm. It says, The mission of our congregation is to deepen connections by nurturing spiritual growth, practicing justice, and inspiring joy. Well, My dream of being a human slash titan now looks like a comical echo of the culture that I grew up in. Just like the people trying to make America great again, it is a dream that never really was and never could be. The numbers simply don't add up. The values don't work. And the fun only lasts as long as one stays isolated from the real-world consequences. It turns out the dream was actually to be found in the miracle of a tiny, scruffy butterfly that could touch the heart of a four-year-old boy. So what would it mean that I become trustworthy? First, I need to learn what trustworthy means to those close to me, to all of you, my family, 
and my friends. And that's kind of easy to understand. But I also need to be trustworthy to the world that so generously supports me and the generations of all species that will follow. Our covenant serves as a guide. It says that we promise to respect and trust each other, accept our differences and shortcomings, practice patience, compassion, and empathy, listen deeply and to speak truthfully, to be honest and authentic, support the congregation with our presence, participation, and financial gifts, and celebrate life together. If I'm willing, this sounds like a great place to practice building a trust that is more about learning to love than learning about how to get ahead. With only a small amount of imagination, we can use this same covenant with our larger community, including those animals and plants that support us. In these unprecedented times, and as in other emergencies, we need to drop everything and focus on care. Most, but not all of us, can ignore much of what is going on right now with little consequence. However, choices need to be made. In any disaster, there are those who simply step aside and those who profit by selling overpriced blankets and water or try to protect themselves at any cost. For me, it centers on how I choose to be connected. Am I just connected to my family? Am I just connected to my congregation or my region or even only humans? Connecting to people and non-humans in trouble is hard work, especially in a culture that acts like we can ignore those in trouble and carry on with little consequence. I sympathize with those who struggle and even those who just choose to walk away. The good news is there are guides to help us connect in powerful ways. Many heroic siblings are leading the way. Indigenous leaders remind us of an essential truth. Humans are the younger siblings on this world. We need to respect and heed the wisdom of our animal and other siblings. Many have been here long before humans for millions, if not billions of years. They know how to live here. Humans, especially of the Homo economicus subspecies, have not been here long and so far have exhibited many of the worst attributes of adolescence, acting invincible and driving way too fast. Part of growing up is to understand that we are mortal and to focus on building a collaborative, safe world that we can share. It is time we grow up and reach our full potential as siblings in a beautiful universe. We are part of a very big family and need to do our part. Our siblings have been taking care of us long enough. Fortunately, they still love us. I know a butterfly that says that it is so. Okay, what or who can we trust? What can we do? 
You don't have to have the same affirmation that I do. Part of being connected is seeing the power of diversity. I do hope that you can find something yourself that calls you to fall in love with the whole world, all of it. The work is to put love at the center. I hope that love will teach you to listen carefully and act boldly. Yes, there are forces in this world that would harm what we love. Those that harm are actually precious too. They do need to be stopped, mainly so that they will not be harmed by harming others. Hopefully, they can be brought back into relationship to learn the much more effective strategy of loving. Perfect loving is not possible. And I plead guilty to hypocrisy. Nevertheless, nevertheless, living in a world that is supporting me and teaching me to support others is more precious than gold. All I can do is return the favor of my little butterfly and try to be a gentle blessing to the world, a person that can be trusted. Thank you all for being here to create and recreate a community of trust. We can find what we need to trust in the future, right here, right now.